Hello, engineering and tech enthusiasts. Welcome to our podcast, Lexicon, by Interest in Engineering. Today, we have two exceptional guests who are at the forefront of bringing cutting-edge technology and creative innovation to the themed entertainment industry. Joining us are Ryan Harmon, the President and Chief Creative Officer of Zeitgeist Design and Production, and Disney legend Joe Lanzasero, who brought his ideation, illustration and art direction prowess to Zeitgeist in 2018. Before we delve into the fascinating world of engineering and tech in themed entertainment, let's get to know our guests a bit better. Just to start with Ryan, um, Ryan Harmon, um, can you firstly describe to our audience what themed entertainment is and share a little bit about your extensive background in this area? Sure. Thank you so much for having Joe and I today. Uh, themed entertainment is really experiences that you have out of home. They immerse you in another time and place usually and allow you to have adventures within that time and place. And this concept dates back, you know, decades, uh, maybe even centuries, but especially decades to when restaurants started being immersive and themed. They didn't have windows. They kind of had more of a theatrical lighting system and it just kind of puts you for example in hawaii or in polynesia that was a very popular theme here in uh, america in the 1950s and then walt disney kind of took that to the next level by creating disneyland and recreating magical places like you know his the old small town of his youth in marceline missouri on main street or the American West in Frontierland, the future in Tomorrowland, Fantasyland, Adventureland. So, um, and it's really just grown from there. And people really love the opportunity to escape their daily lives and kind of uh, leave their sense of reality at the gate, uh, as we say, uh, or their disbelief. And they like to immerse themselves. And that's really evolving today where we see more role playing or cosplay. Uh, people want to kind of play a character. They want more interactivity. Technology is really allowed for more interactivity. And uh, it's really a great time to be in this industry because there's so many more opportunities. And the younger people of today appreciate experiences much, much more than they do physical items. So if you are giving somebody a gift, they may much prefer an opportunity to see ABBA Voyage or go to Disneyland Paris or something like that versus, you know, a tie or socks or, or a book. Um, and then my history goes back to 1987 when I was the youngest Disney Imagineer. I was able to work on the Disney MGM Studios for five years and then left and went on to work at Universal and Warner Brothers and a number of studios and design firms and finally founded Zeitgeist about 13 years ago. And we create experiences out of home in all types of uh, mediums, from events to dark rides, walkthroughs, roller coasters, entire theme parks, theater shows, uh, really anything you can imagine that you would go to and uh, experience out of your house. Mm, that's really interesting. I'm just wondering, just to kind of get a feel for 
you know, um, what kind of inspired you to kind of go into this whole, um, you know, kind of escapism in a way? Yeah. <laughs> um, so what is driving your passion for, you know, creating these experiences, you know, um, and just obviously correct me if I'm wrong in pronouncing it. Is it Zeitgeist? Or... Yes. 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 Zeitgeist is a German word that means the spirit of the time. And that's also the name of the Zoom cast that Joe and I co-produce and co-host. Yeah. Um, and um, it really came about, I, I don't know the, the reason why I like this. I was literally born this way. And as a literally, a, you know, five-year-old child, I was creating experiences in my bedroom for my two younger brothers. I would spend half the day designing it, setting it up, preparing everything. And then I would let them in, give them fake tickets, and they would have all different kinds of adventures. And then I would do it for the neighborhood kids in somebody's garage. And, you know, I got into theater in school, and I'm a writer uh, so I did a lot of creative writing and won a lot of contests. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm a Disney Imagineer because I was still so young when that started. So I learned from a lot of the original gentlemen and women that Walt Disney brought on and then that next generation as well. And um, I've just never looked back. It's just something I love because it allows you to be creative in so many realms. It's not limited to, let's say, film where you're just focused on a two-dimensional image to be projected on a screen or, you know, on a video screen. Uh, it's architecture, it's lighting, it's music, it's the way you move through things, it's story, it's just so many different things go into creating a themed experience. And it's just more satisfying for me and it can last forever. It's not like you spend five years working on a movie and you open up against the new Star Wars film and, you know, you're on direct uh, <laughs> or streaming, you know, two weeks later. Um, nowadays, especially themed entertainment can last uh, for decades, as we've seen with many attractions at Disney and Universal. So it's just a wonderful uh, way to help people create memories and have fun together. Yeah, that's that's really lovely to kind of visualize you like as a young kid and you know trying to yeah that really put a big smile on my face cuz you know I can see you as a kid just you know trying to create these experiences and from such a humble place and now you know to where you are now with all this experience behind you it's just yeah, yeah it's really amazing. Yeah, thank you. I I literally remember the kids on my block outside playing kickball. And I preferred to stay inside and write a story. And I used to draw pictures with it. And I used to have a book club where I sold my stories to my grandparents for 10 cents each. So I was a bit of an entrepreneur yeah. <laughs> when I was about seven. <laughs> let's, let's move on to Joe a little bit. Um, hi, Joe. Hello, hello, hello. Happy, happy to be here today. Thank you for having us. Oh, you're very welcome. We'd just like to learn a little bit about your background and, um, you know, how you transitioned to to Zeitgeist. Um, if you could share a little bit about your journey and how you found your way into the world of storytelling, shall we say, um, that would be really great. It, well, yeah, kind of like Ryan, it was never really a choice. Um, <laughs> as, long, as far back as I can remember, I love to draw and create and make things. And um, I grew up in Burbank, California, 
not so far from the Disney Studios. And remember as a kid, you know, every Sunday night watching The Wonderful World of Disney and going to Disney movies. And it was, I always said, I'm going to work for Disney. And as circumstances and fate would have it, um, I got the opportunity to go to California Institute of the Arts and be in the first character animation program. Um, it was at a point where all of Walt, the original nine old men, Walt called them the guys that actually created the whole animation industry, were either retiring or sadly dying, mm -hmm. and they needed to replenish the ranks. So they started a very special program at California Institute of the Arts, and I fortunately was accepted into the first year program. Some of my classmates um, went on to do really amazing things, like uh, John Lasseter went on to start Pixar and, you know, and really changed the whole animation industry. Uh, Brad Bird was one of my classmates who went on to direct Ratatouille, The, the Impossibles. Um, and then a close friend and classmate was Tim Burton. And I don't need to talk about what Tim has accomplished. So when I think about myself in relationship to that group, I feel like an underachiever, but I, I, I was <laughs> fortunate to have a lot of great opportunities at Disney. So I start, I started actually started my career after I graduated from California Institute of the Arts as an animator and was fortunate enough. There were still some of the original nine old men around. Um, these were the guys, like I said, who actually started the, the art form. And so got to learn from them and, not, not just learning the technical aspects of, you know, creating animated films. And back then it was done with paper and pencil, unlike today, which is all done on the computer. Um, we learned more about the philosophies and the, the kind of the grounding story techniques that made everything that, that Disney did resonate with, with people. And it was always about creating some kind of emotional connection through the story and through the characters. So that's kind of the thread that has stayed with me through my career. So I, I'm animator for about eight years. I actually, at one point, I kind of moved up the ranks. I was actually uh, directing some short animation and such. And then through a series of circumstances, I got the opportunity to move over to Disney Imagineering. And I found that a much better fit for my personality because I'm the kind of person that loves to work with other people. And um, I'm sure you can tell from what Ryan said earlier, you know, what we do is a very collaborative art form. Um, you know, not that animation is not, but it's more solitary. People have kind of their, their little silo of work that they do, and then they might interact with other people at, at some point. But for the most part, it's, it's very siloed, where in the theme park and themed entertainment, you are working with a whole variety of people, artists, engineers, sculptors, designers, uh, audio engineers, special effects designers, ride, ride designers, ride engineers, you know, and, and it's, it's really the interface, you know, working with all those people, you know, it's, it, it takes a village to, to create the things that, that we create. And I loved and still do the process. You know, and working with people and understanding how to to um, get the best out of people, too. I think, you know, for for us as leaders, you know, when you're when you're leading a project, it's about, you know, how you engage people, help them understand what the big story is that you're trying to communicate. You know, what tools you have to communicate is it going to or, or what type of 
experience is it going to be? Is it going to be a ride? Is it going to be a theater show? Is it going to be a nighttime spectacular, a restaurant, a shop, whatever, because they, they all have to communicate and hopefully back to what I said earlier, connect with people on an emotional level. So I was very fortunate during my career at Disney. Um, I was there for almost 30 years and, um, through the course of those three years, got, got opportunities to design and see things built all around the world. I was in charge of the, the, the Asia portfolio, Japan Resort and the Hong Kong Resort. Um, at one point, I was also in charge of designing the Disney cruise ships, two of the Disney cruise ships, the Dream and the Fantasy. I was in charge of all the design for them and did a lot of work at Disneyland and Walt Disney World as well, all told about $9 billion worth of work um, for the company. And as Ryan said, it's very gratifying, you know, that I, I think that, you know, any day of the week, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, because it's a global co company, somebody is enjoying something that me or my teams, you know, created. And that's, that's a pretty fulfilling thing. I feel very fortunate that I had that opportunity. But the world's a lot bigger than Disney, too. And yeah. um, the company changed quite a bit. And um, it was time for me to move on. And I had other opportunities post Disney, working for some, some other companies. And, but again, through a series of circumstances, I always feel like destiny has a hand in all this. Uh, as Ryan said, he and I had, our, our paths had crossed, you know, early on back in, at Disney. And then through the years, we had, we had uh, stayed in touch. And, and then probably around 2018, um, I, I had an opportunity to do some work in China, and it was much bigger than something I could do on my own. And uh, I reached out to Ryan and said, hey, it's time for, for us to work together again. And um, yeah, so since 2018 now, I've been part of Zeitgeist. And, and as Ryan said, even though we haven't gotten much built, we have done literally I would say thousands of designs <laughs> of, of all kinds for numerous clients. Uh, but it also, as Ryan said, I think we're, we're at this point now, it looks like, you know, post-COVID, um, the world is changing now, and it looks like things are prime for getting some stuff built. How do you at Zeitgeist um, leverage, you know, engineering and tech innovation to kind of storytell? So, you know, it could be VR or it could be you know, any other kind of tech, how, what's helping you to kind of realize, you know, your vision or your client's vision to say? Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start off here and I'm sure Ryan will have plenty to offer as well. Um, but I think there, there's two ways that we use technology, um, not just us, but in the industry. Um, technology can be part of the actual experience, AR, you know, where it actually becomes part of whatever the guest is experiencing. Um, and then the, the second way is using technology, AR, VR, as uh, a design tool. Uh, I have more experience with the latter, um, yep. both, both at Disney and now uh, with, with Zeitgeist. We, we use um, pre-visualization a lot using... Um, uh, uh, AR um, to to create spaces, to create rides, to create whatever we're working on in some digital form that then can be used to make design choices and to um, more importantly, when you have a client, you know, 
we we all can sit around you know and look at a video that we created in in AR and go oh okay that's what it's going to be like to go on this roller coaster and there's going to be this special effect there and there's going to be this lighting effect there and it's going to go fast here and slow there i mean you can do drawings and sketches you know do computer generated work even the a lot of the ai stuff that's coming out now is is interesting as a kind of thought starters and design um you know inspiration i, I mean that, that that's a whole conversation unto itself what what yeah. ai is doing right now um but i mean ultimately you have to fine-tune whatever you're doing to a point where it's specific enough to the story and the idea and the experience that you're trying to present and um again put it in some kind of form visual form that everybody can look at and everybody agree yeah that's the thing that we want to build yeah Oh, that that makes sense. So other than like VR and AI, is there any other tech that helps with the whole process or? Well, let me add to that. Um, beyond pre-visualization, which is an amazing tool because it saves us so much time and money and allows us to create something better um, and understand everything, you know, at an earlier point in the process. Uh, technology is should be, if done properly, uh, you shouldn't know the difference between technology and magic because magic is the business we're in. We're telling stories, we're immersing you in times and places, we're taking the uh, human aspirations of flying or going back in time or exploring a haunted house or whatever it may be. And we have to use magic. We don't want you to know, oh, we've got a KUKA arm here or we're projecting 6,000 P and, you know, nobody cares. <laughs> so, 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 you know, we care in terms of wanting to create the best experience using the latest tools. So we're always on the lookout for the latest technologies and how they can be applied to immersing people in these stories and experiences. But um, it really has to be magic. We hide it as much as we can. We hide speakers. We hide projectors. We hide lights. We hide, you know, anything we can. If you ride the uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter ride, you're actually on a robotic arm, on a KUKA arm. But you would never know that because when you get there, you sit on this magic bench and it takes you off on this adventure and uh, you have no idea if you saw what you were actually on, you might even be afraid to ride it because uh, it's this big, scary contraption. It's kind of like if you've seen Disney's Space Mountain with the lights on, it's a completely different thing. You know, the illusion that you are racing through outer space is gone and you see all this steel scrunched into this, you know, dome space and you're like, whoa, that's what it is. So we, we yeah. always want, you know, the latest things, the latest technology in terms of drones are amazing now and mobile robots are getting spectacular. Disney has been showing every year a new type of mobile robot. Um, so things are moving along and, you know, it's amazing for us as designers, but our hope is that our guests never know about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I'll just I'll add a little bit. To, yeah, Ryan's right on. It's about creating a seamless storytelling experience that's happening right before the guests and engages them and involves them to where 
they they suspend disbelief because they know they're in a theme park or they know they're in you know some some immersive storytelling experience but they 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 are so taken hopefully if we've done our job correctly they right. are so taken by the story and they're so taken by the characters and whatever the environment is that we've created that they suspend disbelief and they're there and they should never for a second be aware that there's all these amazing technologies. Um, some of the theme park operators use a lot of, of projected screens, you know, and a ride system. And I, I personally, or or putting putting you or asking guests to put on 3D glasses when you go through an experience. And I think those things immediately remove you one time from the experience because you're 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 telling your guests, oh, this is fake. I think you know, what we do works best when it's happening real time and guests don't know that there's technology involved, even though there may be tons and layers and layers of technology, you know, that's delivering the experience. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like we're, we have to be great magicians and our tool is technology, but the, the, the technology has to be invisible. I believe, and I think Ryan, we both yeah. agree, and most of our peers do, that um, when, when it's the most invisible is when it's the most successful. Yeah, I like that invincible technology. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to think now about we're talking a lot about visually, you know, immersing your audience. But what about like other things when you're on a roller coaster, you kind of like feel the air, you smell things. Is there any like experiences that you could talk about where you've used tech to kind of bring that you know, to close to as well, as close to reality as possible. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to let Ryan talk a little bit more about this. So I'm going to set it up because we had, and I think we're at liberty to talk about it. We were working with a company on a really interesting idea that was just going to involve sound. Um, yeah. There's this, uh, a company that um, I'm an advisor to that has a very interesting um, technology, audio technology that allows you to kind of sculpt sound three-dimensionally in a space. And okay. uh, we saw that as an opportunity. And uh, we came up with an idea for creating an attraction that would be basically just about the audio experience. Because we again, it comes down to story and what what happens inside somebody's head. What kind of story can you create in somebody's head with just audio and I'll, I'll let Ryan talk more about it. Cause you, it, th this was really more about, it was, it was, th it was theater of the sound. Theater of the mind. Of the mind. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can probably explain it better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to answer your question, sure. We're, we're always looking at things like the, uh, our friend Rick Rothschild created the soaring attraction for Disney. And that uses a really cool ride system where your feet dangle and you're thrust up into the air in front of a curved 90 foot tall screen uh, with the smells and surround sound and, you know, high end visuals. And it's very immersive. So we're always looking at the latest ride systems. Uh, there's new trackless ride systems, all kinds of fun things we can do. Um, but yeah, what Joe's referring to was a a concept that we had when when we saw this technology we went this was for a client that didn't have a huge budget and wanted to do something spooky for halloween time 
And I thought, well, what if we just don't need to spend money on building all kinds of sets and lights and all that? What if we just stick them in a theater or a room in some weird configuration and we shut out the lights and the room is filled with speakers and we use this new audio technology to tell immersive stories within the space that sound like they're right behind your head or right next to your ear coming right at you. Um, but it's all done just in sound. And then maybe we add to it, you know, enhance that with a flash of a strobe light or maybe an inflatable or some scenic, you know, lights up or there's projection on a wall or something that your brain uh, allows you to go, wow, that is real. And it's more and more convincing every time you see a little something, no different than a monster film where you hear the monster, but they never really show it until the end of the movie. Um, that kind of thing just teases your brain and convinces you that it's real. And so we explored that with a very major Oscar winning movie film writer director. And unfortunately, uh, this person's schedule did not allow them to continue. And we're actually supposed to touch base with them again this month about potentially resurrecting it. But, you know, that was one example of a technology that we saw and we decided to try to turn that into an experience. Um, but usually it's the other way around. Usually we have the story we want to tell and then we figure out how best to tell it, what tools are available for us to tell it in the best way possible. Because we think when you start with the tech, typically uh, you end up showcasing the tech and not really telling the story you know, the yeah. best way possible. Yeah, and I suppose when you kind of think beyond, you know, like visualizing um, an experience and, you know, or experiencing something more visually, you can, you know, you can make it more inclusive because obviously, you know, maybe you have some clients where they may not be able to see, you know, to be able to truly, you know, experience that themed entertainment um you know product that you're creating so it really gets you to be creative in some senses because you have to think about you know all your audience and you know if you understand what I mean so rather than just kind of focusing on being visual you can kind of be inclusive as well by you know maybe just thinking about sound or smell and um yeah, yeah that, that's there's a whole aspect of uh, usability that I think where where technology really comes into play. Um, I, I speak a lot at these um, UX conferences. Um, I was tapped to do that because I didn't realize it, but through most of my career, what I was doing was creating user experiences. But it's much broader than that now. I mean, it's about, you know, designing software. It's about designing, you know, medical tools. I mean, anything where... The, where humans are engaged in an experience at some level, you need to think about, you know, how are they interacting with that experience? Yeah. And um, yeah. And so you're right that, you know, we have, we have you know, people that ha come to an experience that might be hearing impaired, might be blind, uh, might be in a wheelchair. Um, so I think there you need technology or you use the technology to, um, and I think the, many of the big operators, you know, Disney and Universal, uh, are pretty good about, you know, thinking about that. 
Um, I remember early in my career when I was working in Japan, even though the audience was mostly Japanese, in a couple of the attractions, they had, um, and this was this was kind of primitive technology back then. I'm sure today they have they have stuff that's that's way way better, but would allow different members of the audience to hear the show in their native language. Um, so uh, and um, so so I think th this idea of understanding that you know guests come to an experience with different levels of you know both cognitive and physical. Um, abilities yeah. and understanding and being able to, if you understand that, being able to use technology to make sure whatever you're doing is targeted and works for all of them. Yeah. Now, that's really interesting. And so in terms of like um, any challenges or, you know, are there any experiences that kind of, you know, stand out for you where you've used technology and it's just kind of like, you know, not being quite there yet to really bring your, you know, your visualization to life or, you know, are there some, some things that still need to evolve a little bit more before you can fully incorporate them? You know, what are the setbacks? Joe, did you have anything on Mystic Manor? That no, was like you know what, for the, for the most part, I, I think it's like what, what Ryan said earlier about, you know, we, you know, the technology, we come, we 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 come up with the story. We come up with the idea. We know if it, oh, it's going to be a ride. It's going to be a theater show. Whatever it's going to be, and then we figure out, you know, what are the best tools to deliver that experience. And I think for the most part, with big companies and even little companies like ourselves, probably the exception is Disney because they have an active R and D department that's actually funded by their their big corporate entity that allows them to take some risks. Like, you know, Ryan mentioned earlier, they've come up with these incredible walking ro robotic characters. Um, but I think for the most part, many of the, the companies like, like Zeitgeist and, and, and even some of the bigger players like Universal will go and, you know, look at what's out there. Like I said, well, we'll come up with an idea. We know we're doing a ride. It's going to be this theme. We're going to go do this thing with it and then go, okay, what's the best way to deliver that? Um, because what this industry, it's, it, these rides are very, very costly, very expensive. And there's high risk involved too. Um, you know, if, if you don't hit the mark, you know, I, I, like I said, I think other than Disney, there are a few companies that can go back and really fix things or, or enhance them. Um, I was fortunate in my career, a number of the things I worked on you know, didn't quite turn out the way we wanted, you know, first time out and we were able to go back and, and tweak them slightly. Um, so um, I would say, you know, it, it's probably not so much in this industry where, you know, you're going to, you're going to use something that's going to fail because the risks are too high. You're going to, you're going to go with something that's tried and true. Yeah. And is there any, like, tech that you would say has really helped you know make your I don't know, made your time more efficient in terms of like you know you mentioned how it's all gone from like sketching to maybe using computers or is there anything that's helping to automate the process a little bit more in you know your workflow that you could talk about zoom casts <laughs> <laughs> 
No, really, it's about seriously laughing aside, but you know, yeah. it's all especially you know, right? We do work all around the world, you know, yeah. and uh, and we're doing we're doing meetings with clients, you know, you know, late at night in Asia, early in the morning in Europe. Uh, so um, being able to you know connect to the world and and face to face, you know. Even though it's, you know, you're looking, you guys, you're talking on a computer screen, man, it's, you know, being able to sit you know, put a, put a drawing up or put a deck up and yeah. everybody stand around it and talk and be able to, you know, make decisions. I think that's an amazing, really, uh, probably a piece of technology that people almost probably take for granted now, but I think right. it's really the way we work. Yeah, it's, it saves tens of thousands of dollars. It saves us so much time so that we can have meetings in China and London the same day and still sleep in our own beds and be with our families. You know? So that it's really been a miracle. We just came back from a trip to China um, because our client does appreciate FaceTime as, as do we, but um, it was probably 20 hours each direction for us to get there for a few days of meetings, you know, or a few hours of meetings when you add it all up. So uh, being able to talk online is, is amazing. But yeah, there's, there's other things, you know, in terms of project management, there's new technologies, there's something called BIM that allows our design team and architects to all work together in one program where the buildings are conceived and designed and down to, you know, every screw that's going to be required, which allows the finance people to get an accurate estimate of things and, you know, it's that's kind of above uh, Joe and my pay grade. We don't really care. Yeah. About, <laughs> <laughs> we, we only care about telling a great story, putting on a yeah. great show and having people love it. Then we hire and find, you know, friends who just drool over spreadsheets and all that kind of technology. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but but yeah, it, it, it is such, I mentioned this earlier, it's such a, a technically involved, you know, art form, I call it an art form, but, you know, a, a product. It's such a technically, um, uh, there, there are so many things that come into play. Um, like when I was working on the cruise ship, we used um, AR, we actually were able to put on a headset and we would build the spaces. And this was, and this was not for storytelling. This was for um, all the technology, all the, the technical side of the ship, understanding where, because, you know, ships are like, like floating cities. You gotta, gotta have your own energy. You gotta have your own water. You gotta be able to get rid of the waste. Um, and so there's this, this huge technical piece of it before you can even start thinking about, oh, we're going to do a great show. We're going to create a beautiful bar. We're going to have, you know, this great pool on the upper deck. Uh, before you can even, you know, get into all that, you have to understand that there's all these these very, very integrated technical systems. Mm -hmm. So the shipyard that we worked with in uh, in Germany, uh, on their own nickel, decided to invest in this uh, this VR system that allowed them to build each of the the spaces mostly to figure out like where is the pipe going to go, where is the air conditioning going to go, where is the electrical run going to go. And then you could sit there and understand all that, put on the headset and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what. And now I understand I have this much space left to put in that video monitor or to put that bar in and have a screen behind it. So mm. um, 
in that regard, it was um, a very, very, very useful tool. And again, I'm, I'm sure it's evolved because that was probably eight, eight or nine years ago when, when we were doing it then. And I'm sure they've evolved it now to, um, you know, even to a, a higher level of, of usage. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And obviously, like when we have this kind of tech and you're on site using it, it can help save so much, you know, money in the oh, long run. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that really makes sense. Yeah, it all, all comes down to money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we always say, you know, writing words, drawing pictures, doing stuff in, you know, on the computer is pennies compared to building something and realizing at that point, oops, <laughs> you know, oops, we, we didn't know that column was going to be there or we didn't realize on the ride that we have this empty space here or that, yeah. you, you know, that's why, especially being able to do VR pre-visualization, you can turn your head, you can look up, you know, what's the guest going to see uh, when it's still pennies to fix it and not yeah. millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm sure I, I heard about drones and robots. Are there any, like, um, you know, particular experiences where you've, you know, been doing your role and then you said, oh, wow, you know, a drone? What has, you know, where have these, you know, kind of texts been used? Or what have they been used to do? Like, what, what did you see them doing, basically, when you were at work? Like, were they delivering things or were they just trying to or clean things? <laughs> I don't know. No, well, no, there's now drone shows where they have hundreds or maybe even thousands of drones all synchronized and they fly up in the air with no lights on. So you don't even know they're there. And then oh. all of a sudden they illuminate in shapes, <laughs> three-dimensional shapes in the air. It can be Mickey Mouse's ears. It could be a smiley face. It can be, I went and saw a drone show here at Dodger Stadium. And it was baseball themed things. It was icon iconography from Los Angeles. So, you know, anything you can draw, basically, if you have enough drones, it's very simple right now. Um, but yeah, they just appear in the air. They can change colors. And I think more and more, we're going to see them potentially carrying light things. You could create a ghost, you know, a, a fly, a spirit <laughs> flying through the air. You can do all kinds of amazing things now with uh, drones. So, yeah. uh, and then, you know, obviously here in Los Angeles, we see robots going down the street, delivering food. That's a thing. They stop at the stoplight, they cross the, the crosswalk and they uh, deliver your food to your home or office, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so, that is amazing. So, uh, that's why I said it's a great time to be in this business because we see all these things in our everyday lives or when we travel and we think, oh my God, we could use that for whatever it is. So, and then we look into it. Right now we're looking into uh, um, these amazing flying, I wouldn't know if I'd call them drones as much as dirigibles, but they're inflated <laughs> animals, whales, dolphins, birds, and they soar through the air with helium, but they have little fans connected to them. Uh, and it's probably incorporating more and more drone technology um, where it can literally fly through a stadium or a theme park or, you know, any, usually an indoor environment, so they don't blow away, but they've stimulated birds and it's just really cool when you see these large things flying through the air. And we actually looked into creating a flying saucer 
uh, with thousands of lights on it that could descend over the audience's heads and make them feel <laughs> like they're being abducted. So um, there's a lot of possibilities. Once we see something new technologically, I think our brains just start to go, you know, what can we do for? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Are there any, you know, any lasting comments you wanted to say to our audience, you know, regarding the future of, you know, your themed entertainment and, um, you know, tech going forward, how it's going to help with, you know, you telling your stories, basically? Yeah, I would encourage people to, if they're in the field, to keep inventing and thinking of really cool new technologies and things that might be able to use to tell stories. And if you're not in the field and you're just a fan, get out there and go see ABBA Voyage. Go see, you know, the latest BBC installation there in London. Go see, you know, the latest theme park or the new attractions in Disneyland Paris or one of my favorite parks is Puy de Faux in uh, France. There's just so many amazing immersive experiences where the technology is magic. And, uh, and I think magic's real. Yeah. <laughs> that's our job to make magic real yeah yeah i th i yeah i we've said you know this is an amazing time to to be in the industry for all the for all the reasons we've been talking about with you know all these amazing technologies that we have at our fingertips now and um you know i don't have a crystal ball i can't pre predict the future but you i have can a time do machine well i do it we do have a time machine that is right ryan <laughs> But, um, but, you know, I, I just looking back, I would have never imagined that, you know, we would have all these amazing tools that create these amazing experiences. Um, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to end with a great a quote that um, one of our mentors, who was one of the leaders at Imagineering, uh, Marty Scalar, always used to describe Walt Disney. And Walt, he said, always had one foot in the past and one foot in the future. And the foot in the past was that foot was understanding the human experience and that, you know, the, the, the human experience never really changes. We all want to be loved. We all want to laugh. We all want to feel appreciated. We all want to connect to a story. There are those, those kind of um, core, core attributes that make us, that are common to our species. Why, you know, that we all, that we all understand and know. But then that foot in the future for Walt was always looking at what was that great tool that's out there that I'm going to use to be able to tell my stories with more impact. So I would I would hope that, you know, that that moving forward, you know, that people will remember that, that, that you know, where in the end, all this is in the service of humanity and people and touching people and hopefully making the world a better and happier place. Yes. Well said. Yeah. That was really beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you, uh, Ryan and Joe for right. joining us on the lexicon. Um, we look forward to keeping up with your work. Um, and I'm sure if there's any new developments, we'll be in touch. Likewise, you can get in touch with us. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing your stories and, you know, how that all interplays with tech and your, you know, themed entertainment. So <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And we'd like to encourage your viewers to check out the Zoomcast that Joe and I co-host called The Spirit of the Time. 
and yeah. you can find it on our website at zeitgeist-usa.com. It's also on our YouTube channel and wherever they listen to podcasts, all they have to do is search Zeitgeist Spirit of the Time. Yeah. And, uh, amazing wisdom and history of uh, our industry. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was great be- being able to talk today. Thank you yeah. so much. And there you have it, everyone. A captivating journey into the world of themed entertainment, storytelling, and the groundbreaking integration of engineering and technology. And it's not just by anyone, but by industry experts that have actually created for Disney. Our sincere thanks to Ryan Harmon and Joe Lanzazero for sharing their insights, experiences, and the magic behind the scenes. Remember though, the story doesn't end here. As we eagerly anticipate the future of VR tech innovation, stay tuned for more exciting developments and projects from these visionaries. Until next time, keep dreaming and exploring the limitless possibilities of experience design. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.